Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I am sitting across from a rapper. I'd love it if you could introduce yourself. My name is Cadence Weapon from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. But I live in Toronto now. But we're in Vancouver. We are in an Airbnb. Yeah, like, you know, I'm posted up in kind of a swanky Airbnb for Juno weekend. Many people are going to be listening to this all around the world, and they're going to have no idea what Junos is. I think there's a lot of people in Canada who don't know what Junos are. Fair. But yeah, it's our equivalent to the Grammys. <laughs> I guess it's equivalent, right? But yeah, it's our award ceremony for music. Are you here to participate in the actual ceremonies? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of Juno Fest, so I'm going to be playing some shows around the award ceremony. Um, I'm playing a show with Maestro Fresh Wes, who, if you're unaware and you're not from Canada, he's kind of the godfather of Canadian rap. He's essentially our Rakim. Because each year the Junos are in a different city, there's often a festival where a whole bunch of music acts play a whole bunch of concert venues. So this weekend is a very busy weekend. We'll both be, no doubt, going to many different shows and seeing many different amazing Canadian acts. Absolutely, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I know Weaves are playing tonight. Um, Who are Weaves and why are they amazing? Weaves are a band from Toronto, and they are led by a woman named Jasmine Burke, who coincidentally has the same birthday as me. And uh, she is an amazing female black singer who just, like, shreds. And their their band is kind of like angular, kind of weird art rock. And uh, they're a really cool band. They're one of the most exciting bands in Canada, I think. So as you might be able to tell, this episode of the show is going to be very Canadian. But we're here to talk about you, Cadence Weapon. So I was doing some research Mm -hmm. about you before I came here today, and I found out that you are an ordained minister. (laughs) That is true, yeah. Um, I became an ordained minister to marry my friends to each other in America. Um, My friends Jessica and and, um, uh, Levi. And uh, that was in L.A. in Topanga Canyon. It was absolutely beautiful. And one of my songs on my album is kind of uh, inspired by this experience because I was admiring the view of where the wedding was. And I was like, okay, I got to get this for the gram, obviously, because if you don't gram it, it didn't happen. And I'm doing kind of a panoramic view of the location, and I start sliding down uh, the mountain I'm on. You know, and I, I catch a rock with my hand, and I'm like, oh, could have slid really far down. And I was just thinking about, like, wow, I almost, like, fell down a bunch of stories trying to post something to my story, you know? And that that formed a m- metaphor for me for the song Infinity Pool on my, my new album. Well, I was going to play a song, and that song was going to be My Crew Woo, but I will let you choose. We can either play My Crew Woo or the song you were just talking about. Well, I think it makes more sense. Just let's play Infinity Pool. Because you are the host today, Cadence Weapon, and we came to your Airbnb to do this interview, I brought a beer, so let's have a cheers. And then, hear the song. Sedative in me for negative energy, all my amenities cool. No more rigidity, need my serenity, live in infinity pool. Secret identity, who? No, I don't think you should know. Said that she's knowing my face like memory foam, all in my pillow at home. I said, nice to know you, no crossing the border, she's sweeter than cinnamon, girl. Been in Topanga, I hosted a wedding, I fell off a cliff taking selfies. Yeah, so Infinity Pool is produced and features an artist named KCMQ, 
He's from Brampton, and he's one of my favorite young artists in Canada. Um, I think he's going to be really popular. I think he's going to do really well. He's very eclectic in the music that he makes. He, he can make like almost like Jersey House kind of music. He can make you know ballads and stuff. He makes like some ambient music. Like he, he's just a very diverse guy, and he's he's really got an amazing attitude for making music. He's like very very positive and like a hardworking person, and the kind of person that like I gravitate to. Fourth record is your self-titled record, and this record you've also been calling your creative rebirth or your reintroduction. Mm-hmm. I'd love you to tell me more. Yeah, so that was the reason why I made it self-titled is, you know, I wanted to be like, you know, it, it felt like a new beginning. I've always loved it when, when you see an established artist and they put out, you know, self-titled album later in their career. It's like kind of money. For some reason, I think it's kind of dope. And so I always wanted to do that. And really, this felt like the perfect time. And it also felt like this album is super autobiographical and it feels like very personal. And it also is, I think the album, since my first album, is the album that I I most got it to sound the way that I wanted it originally in my head. You know, direct. that's, I think, the ultimate goal of a musician, is to translate your idea that's in your mind and get it out there in the real world, like, as close to what's in your mind as possible. I think once you get to that point, you, you've officially, like, entered, like, <laughs> like, the Scientology level, like, eight. <laughs> Of music, you know, you're just like, wow, I can actually make music sound like what it sounds like in my head. Took me years to get to doing that. So, congratulations on that. I'm happy to hear it because while I was doing my research today, I read that before making this record, you were thinking about leaving music and Cadence Weapon behind, but Montreal nightlife, DJing, and a social circle brought you back. Yeah, I mean, like, in a way, it was kind of like. A lot of those things too kind of wore on me a little bit, and I just came became so focused on like DJing. I was DJing like 20 times a month in Montreal, and you know I was running all these events. You know I, I was like a promoter. I was you know throwing this uh, monthly poetry event called At Street Level, and you know I published a book of poetry with Metatron called uh, Magnetic Days, and I was just like kind of just veering in all these different directions. But um, yeah, briefly, um, I had a existential crisis and uh, was thinking I wasn't going to like totally quit music, but I was thinking I'm going to change my name and just be Roly. Briefly, I was just, you know, no more Cadence Weapon. I felt like there was like baggage with the old name because of like, you know, mainly because of some of the label situations I was in before and like people I used to work with. And like I had like this in my mind, I had this like negative stigma with the name. But luckily, I got over that and. A lot of people reminded me, and they were just like, no, it, like, being around for a while is actually good. You know, it's like a lot of people, new artists today, they would love to have a name that people, like, resonate with or, like, remember or, like, can visually. They're like, oh, yeah, I, that looks familiar. Like, there's so many new artists in the world, so many people making music. Any kind of edge you have in that, like, why would you put, get rid of it? So I think that it's time to play another track. How about we play My Crew Now? Would you like to say a sentence about it before we hear it? Absolutely, yeah. My Crew is probably probably my favorite song on the album. It's really just a culmination of my experience in Montreal. You know, it's really, I wanted to make a song that felt like my Montreal, the Montreal that I share with my friends. And that's what the song's about. My Crew is about my friends. And I wanted to just make a song that if we were at like, a, you know, just a mysterious after party in a big loft, you know, and it was just going until like eight in the morning and... 
what's the song they play, you know, at 7 a.m., you know, that people, like, are still, like, lit, like, still ready to party. You know, I wanted to make that song. You know, I wanted to make, like, a total banger. And, you know, I happened to be able to make it with one of the biggest producers in not just Montreal, but now, like, the world with Kate Renata. This goes out to all my Milan friends and my podcast connects. All the kids in Little Italy, the punks in St. Henry, Plateau Bros, and the crew in the D's. Cause you know when I do it, you know I do it with ease. Made some moves with my music, you got a couple degrees. Might see me using maneuvers, I got a few on my sleeve. Become so fluent and ruthless, so underground in the sewer. Like Doss effects with my set, my sound progression is proven. You think it's all an illusion, must be the booze you're consuming. It's funny. The, the way that I ended up making this is really organic and it's it's really reflective of how I made this whole album. It all comes from my life, which is really exciting. Like I used to make all my records myself. I used to produce all the records. I used to do everything on them. And now on this album, I really wanted to have collaboration. I wanted to work with different producers. I wanted to have different featured artists, different people doing choruses. And in the case of this song, you know, I ended up just DJing a party with Kei Trinata back in like a few years ago. And it was before he had put out a lot of music. I saw his set and I was like, wow, every song is banging. So crazy. And um, I asked him afterwards, I was like, man, what were you playing? And he's like, I made that. And I was like, okay, we got to work together. You know, so he sent me all these beats. Actually, before I picked that one, I picked a different beat. And he was like, no, somebody has dibs on it already. And it turned out it was Anderson Pack. And it was uh, for glowed up, you know. So, in an alternate reality, that could have been my beat. But I ended up picking the other beat, and the rest is history. So, for this record, you tried a lot of collaborations, which is new for you. Collaboration is a learned skill, so I'd love you to tell me a bit about building up those chops. Exactly. I mean, initially um, in my career, I had problems collaborating with people because I felt like I couldn't really trust them to, you know, protect my vision. You know, like I always felt like people didn't understand what I was trying to do or they didn't really have the same musical vocabulary to really like bring it to the end point that I needed it to. You know, so I, I generally just didn't have a lot of trust in other musicians that I would work with, right? So I think the big thing was just like coming out of a process where I made my last album in 2012 that was like heavily, uh, took a really long time to make and was like really exhausting and I have like kind of almost like a melancholy feeling about it when I think about the process of making it. I wanted to have something that felt fun, you know, like I wanted to have fun making the album. I wanted it to be like come easily and I wanted it to flow and you know, I, I just started, you know, you know, I would meet people and they'd be like, yeah, I make beats. It's like, let's make a song. It doesn't matter who it was, right? There's one guy on this album, he got two songs on this album. His name's Gibbs. And uh, I'd never heard of him before and nobody had really heard of him. He's from Oshawa, Ontario. And um, I got connected to him through people at my record label. And we ended up hitting it off so much. We recorded like 20 songs. You know, we, we recorded pretty much a whole album ourselves. You know, he produced the, the Conor McDavid track, too, and um, along with me. And, um, yeah, it's just funny, like, from just taking a chance on an unknown producer that I'd never met, it became this thing where we met up and we'd start producing stuff together. And, and, and it, that really got me juiced up to, like, work with other people. Because I was like, oh, it's like, I can trust people. Even if I, you don't know them, it's like, yeah, it's people are... 
generally trying to make something cool, you know? So I think, I think it was like a really like amazing process for me. So I think it's time to play another song. Why don't we play one of the tracks you did with Gibbs? Yeah, sure. Let's play um, Soju. Yeah. Now every time I roll through, I'm sipping slow with my whole crew, doing everything to make it fast like we're supposed to. Kill it every time we in the lab, man. That's old news. Thinking about the obstacles we passed that we broke through. Chilling in the crib, drinking soju. Don't know how it is. Let me show you. Soju is, um, I think, conceptually one of my favorite songs on this album because I'm talking about uh, drinking responsibly, you know, and the idea of like with rap, there's so much nihilism. There's this whole idea of like, it's like, you know, uh, what is it, uh, YOLO, right? That was like such a big thing. You, you only live once. And I don't feel that way, you know, and it's like I, I've always felt like at at odds with like the way that like rap has been portrayed like this kind of like let's do as much xanax as possible and like let's just die like i don't want to die that's the thing you know like i want to live a nice long life you know maybe that's like not as cool as you know being james dean or whatever but i was reading that you wrote over 80 tracks for this current record there's nine on it 12 on the album so you wrote 80 songs there's 12 on the record Mm -hmm. that's a lot and I was looking at your discography today, and there's about a four-year break between each record. Yeah, that is true, and I don't want that to happen again. I mean, it's like, usually what'll happen is, like, I put out the album, I'll tour for a whole year, so that's a year off, which is normal. That's typically what happens. But then I'll start conceptualizing an album, and, like, sometimes I'll get just too caught up in my own mind, or there'll be external factors, like, that prevent me from making music or whatever. And then I'll just be like, uh, I kind of like, you know, it's like when you don't go to the gym, you know, for a while. And then you're like, oh, I know I got to go back. But then you're like, oh, I don't want to go there, you know. And for me, that was almost like the studio briefly, you know. I mean, it's like, it's interesting being creative. When you start thinking of it as a job where it's like, oh, I got to clock in and like get into the song factory and like pump something out. You're not going to do anything productive. You're not going to actually make anything cool. But the way that I'm doing it now is it's just an extension of my life. And it's just, you know, now it's becoming a thing where it's, like, habitual. Like, I have to do it. Like, I have to, you know, I, I need to record X amount of times a month, you know, to, like, feel good. So what flipped the switch? I think part of it is just living in Toronto. You know, there's just, like, the so much energy right now towards rap and so much... Uh, competition and so many people just are doing big things and it's it kind of is just uh 
just amped me up a little bit. There's is the infrastructure for recording is really good. The industry's all there and like I'm getting all these different opportunities to like write with people and yeah, it's just different. And also just I'm in a different mind state too. Like I, I think I, I treat music differently than I did initially. I, I'm thinking a lot more seriously than maybe when I first was making music because I, I kinda like yeah, I, I came in and I had a lot of different like skills and you know, I everyone was like, Oh, this is talented, this is fresh, this is this new thing and I just thought like that was like good enough or something, you know. Like I didn't have to like go harder, you know. Something's changed because I've read in several interviews today that you were not even concerned that a record hadn't been worked on for four years. And I found that bizarre for somebody who makes their living doing music to say that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, you think back and it's like, how did I like survive? But I mean, I don't know. I'm just like a hustler. I figure it out. I'm very versatile. Like I write. I do all kinds of stuff. But yes, I didn't. I just didn't have that like kind of. I'm a Pisces man. I'm absolutely the most like hard Pisces. You know, like it's it's easy for me to get um, lackadaisical. You know, you know, I'm very emotional. I'm very sensitive. But I'm also very prone to kind of just like the status quo. Like I'll just like kind of like let it rock. For a while, like being like complacent, you know, um, I, I have to fight that with like every the core of my being, like, you know, uh, like I'll chill. You know, that was part of why I left Montreal was I liked it too much because it, it was an environment that really um, allowed me to be really chill. Like you didn't have to like really you didn't have to work at all to live there. Like it wasn't super expensive to live there. And, you know, my fear was that one day I'd wake up on um, Park Jean Mons and be like, you know, white dreads, you know, holding a djembe and being like, man, I used to put out records. You have just painted a horribly scary picture. (laughs) So um, while I wait for that to vanish from my head, I'm going to play another track. Let's play Don't Talk to Me off the current record. Yeah, Don't Talk to Me. That's my, like... You know, that's the the story of where I've been. You know, that's like uh, I, I had to have a song that kind of explained where I've been the past few years, and it's a very Toronto song. It's produced by Francis Got Heat, who's a really hot Toronto producer. And yeah, it's like when I say "Don't talk to me," it's not like I want to be like antisocial. It's more like nowadays I don't want to like talk unless it's productive. I don't like this thing where people come up and they're like, "Yo, let's build, let's build." It's like you don't mean it. You don't mean it. It's total bullshit. You know, you know, you don't want to actually build. This is just like lip service. So it's like that kind of thing. Don't talk to me unless you actually like mean it. You know. Back in the days now, used to go another way. Now I'm on another wave now. When the first album came out, saw me in the videos. Used to thinking niggas strange now. Now I got my own lane now. Used to stay in that mode till a nigga took a plane out. Still got love, but I had to make my way out. Signing on the dotted line, I couldn't really break out. That is when I moved into the six. Showed up and I wasn't on the list. No endorsements, no sponsorships. I ain't even have a part to piss. Then it started really making sense. Had to flip it, had to make it. Switch, realizing that I had a gift, couldn't let it drift. They think they're gonna fake it till they get through. They really gonna hate it when you do you. They think they're gonna make it so you can't take control. They wanna break, they hope it breaks you. They think they're gonna fake it till they get through. They really gonna hate it when you do you. They think they're gonna make it so you can't take control. They wanna break, they hope it breaks you too. When you're talking to people in the music industry, and it's clear that they're just talkers. 
How do you get out of that conversation and be productive? Well, the idea is, you know, if you identify those people, you can make the conversation as short as possible and keep it positive on your end. But then you know who to avoid. You know, so that's something that I've, that's the most important thing is like there's so many people out there who are like energy vampires, you know, like who just like actually want to take all your vibes away and be like selfish with your time and stuff. Like there's even like when you have friends too, like where they they don't they're not they don't want you to actually like be productive. They want you to be like on the couch playing NBA 2K with them. They don't actually want you to like be doing good because they're not doing good. It's like you can't. I don't want to have friends like that anymore, you know. So that was like kind of that was that was kind of the mission statement with like don't talk to me. It's like it's almost like a, a mantra for myself. In 2015, you started a residency at the Toronto Internet Radio Station TRP. So I wanted to ask you about streaming and 2018 and where we are and content curation, all that stuff. It's very interesting, man. I mean, you know, it's funny to see how the music industry is now versus when it was when I put on my last album, because that was 2012. That wasn't really that long ago, if you like look at like years, but in like technology years, it's like a totally different generation. Like Spotify wasn't popping back then. You know, my album, like it wasn't like, yo, you got to get this on Spotify and get on these playlists. Like nobody was even talking about that. So that's like a totally new thing for me, you know, just like thinking about having to navigate um, that new world, I think it's kind of cool. I think it um, obviously it has changed the way people make music because now people are less likely to make albums and they want to make singles that will just end up in a playlist and like you can just live off of one song, right? So, what's your incentive to make like a cohesive album? Not much, but I don't know. I feel like it also for me like it's allowed me to listen to more music than I ever have in my life because I, I kind of use it as like a clearinghouse. Where I like, oh, what are the new releases this week? I'll listen to every rap album that comes out, and I'll be like, okay, this is actually what was good. Or it's like, oh, cool, I like one song from this. I would have never even listened to this album, you know. It's so like I'm getting more music that I like through this process. You know, if you are the guy who runs rap caviar playlist, like you're one of the most powerful people in the music industry, and that's like somebody who's just really good at mixtapes being like really <laughs> in charge of music now. It's kind of funny. But it does make sense, too, because this is, like, the world we're living in. Like, people just, they're, like, give me, like, the good songs, and, like, I don't have time, you know? So, I, I don't know. I think it's it's going to turn into another thing. Like, it's been happening so quickly. Like, there's going to be another thing after this that we don't even know what it is. It might even be, like, we don't even pick the songs, and they are randomized based on, like, like they have, like, kind of algorithms already, and they try and do it, but in my opinion, they're not good enough. Um, cause I, I'm a voracious music listener. I listen to so much stuff and I feel like there's been some times where they've like hit me with some stuff that I didn't know. And I was like, yes, but it's very rare, very rare that they actually like have been able to create an accurate music profile for me. So I think getting more specific, um, into curating for individual people, that will be like the, the wave of the future. And there'll be something that does that in a way that, also retains the quality of the music because I find a lot of like listening to some of these streaming services, the music um, volume is not what was intended. The quality of it is like, you know, varies from whether you want to pay more or less. Like that's not what music's about. It's not supposed to be, you know, you can't be priced out of like hearing the music the way it was intended. 
I don't like that. Cadence Weapon, thank you very much for spending some time with me this evening. I appreciate it. At the end of the show, I love the guests to curate or pick one of their songs for us to hear. Okay, well, in that case, I think I'm going to do High Rise because I think that is the one that is most like special to me. I think it's very relevant to the way that we all live. I know it's weird, but yeah, I, I was playing this song High Rise at South by Southwest, and people were kind of perceiving it as being... Like, oh man, this is the funniest rap I've ever heard. He's talking about condos. It's like so weird or something. And it's like, I'm serious. This song's really serious to me. I'm like dead serious. Like, yeah, it's supposed to be sarcastic. It's supposed to be like kind of darkly comic, you know. But like, I saw it as being more like a like a David Byrne kind of like talking heads, death to the yuppies kind of track, you know. And I, I feel like it's one of the songs that was like the, the most clearly realized on the album. It's produced by Jacques Green who is uh, one of my best buddies, and um, he produced this song and the host on the album. People might know Jack Green as well because... He is a world-class techno DJ and producer. He remixed Radiohead and like all these people. He's just out of Montreal booming. Yeah, we uh, really caught a vibe on this, and it's just a song about... It's from my perspective of living in Toronto, me and my girlfriend trying to find a place to live and being just horrendously priced out or the competition for people trying to find a place. It was just like you go to an open house and it's like 200 people there, you know? And it's just like, wow, this is really makes it feel like I can't even like live here, you know? And that's like, I think a lot of people feel that way. So, you know, I remember that there was one specific day where I was just at my lowest point about it. I was like, man, are we going to have to just like, move into like a, a condo or like one of those like giant apartments with like lots of people in it we didn't have to in the end but that was like what stemmed the song basically Caden's weapon thank you very much for being on my show thanks for the beer city life has got you down and all day you search around get on your feet and off the ground let's move into a high rise City life can drive you mad I've seen it happen, it's so sad Just log out, stop checking ads And move into a high rise Who needs community? Not me and you, or you and me Swimming pools all in our suite Beats the view on College Street Who needs the shops and schools? Not you and me, or me and you Baby girl, you know it's true Not me and you 
swimming pools all in our suite Beats the view on College Street Who needs the shops and schools? Not you and me, or me and you Baby girl, you know it's true We're moving to a high rise Weapon, and you are listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. <laughs> 